0: G'day, welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 26 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at perhaps one of the toughest commands Jesus gave us. John 13:34. Jesus talking to the disciples and telling them how to treat one another. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Think about that in context of what Jesus did for all who put their faith in him. Now think about what Jesus did for you the next time you encounter someone at church who irritates you. Are you going to love them the same way Jesus loves you? By being willing to sacrifice everything for them? Not an easy command at all. If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 26 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 25 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we took a look at what Paul and Barnabas went through to share the gospel of Jesus with people. Several times, Jews tried to kill them, and once they managed to capture Paul and stoned him to the point they believed he was dead. But as the disciples stand around looking at the body of Paul, pelted and bruised, he stands up and goes back into the city. Those two men very clearly showed by their actions that they weren't seeking the approval of people. If they were, they wouldn't have faced so much danger from the people they were seeking to help. No, they sought only God's approval. So I challenged us, whose approval are we seeking? The approval of our friends, our co-workers, fellow students, family? Or are we seeking the approval of God? If we seek the approval of people, we seek the approval of those who at a moment's notice will turn on us. And if our happiness relies on others liking us, we will never truly be happy because we'll never get everyone to like us, especially if we also strive to be Christ-like. But God is different if we seek God, he will never turn us away. Jesus will never forsake those who seek him. And that should bring us an amazing sense of peace and joy. Today, right after talking about not seeking people's approval, we're talking about the importance of striving for peace between believers. Even though we're not seeking approval, we are seeking for peace, community and Fellowship and family between believers. So let's take a look at our passage today, which is Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through to 35 in the ESV. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers... You know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentile should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore... After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The Brothers both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and have troubled you with words, unsettling your mind, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, You will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So the church in Antioch is a growing, thriving church of Gentiles and Jews focused on missions, on spreading the good news of the free gift of salvation to all the world as Jesus commanded. And yet here in chapter 15 of Acts, we see a group of Christians come down from Judea And start telling these uncircumcised Christians that unless they get circumcised, they're not really saved. And this is terrible. I can only imagine how much this would have hurt and freaked out some of the believers, especially those with newer faith. To be sure in your salvation and to suddenly be told, No, you're not really saved. God doesn't really accept you and he won't until you follow these rules. Understandably, this really, really upset Paul and Barnabas and they strongly opposed that view as a view counter to the gospel of salvation. So the church appointed them and some other believers to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about the issue. And a big debate happened in Jerusalem, so similar to the one that happened years previously when Peter returned from Cornelius' house and circumcised Jewish Christians accosted him in Jerusalem and and accused him of eating with unclean people. At the end of Acts 11, it looked like those people from the circumcision group had finally accepted that, yeah, God doesn't require circumcision. We're saved by grace, not by actions and rules, by the law. And yet years later, some of the Jewish Christians are bringing up the same issue again. Peter was back to fighting this issue. An issue which should have been laid to rest years ago. And what I find so interesting with this passage though is how, even though James, Peter, Paul, and Barnabas all clearly opposed the idea that Gentile believers needed to be circumcised, James worked for peace between the two groups. There was clearly opposition. There was clearly disagreement even though Peter explained again how God had chosen to save the Gentiles, not them. Then James, the leader of the Jerusalem church and the brother of Jesus, speaks up, backing Simon up. And he uses Peter's Jewish name here as if to say, he's one of you. James goes on and say, to say that God had given word through the prophets long ago that the Gentiles would be saved, that they would seek God and be saved through grace. And then in verses, verse 19 to 21, we see James working for peace between two very different opinions. Even though the idea of circumcision for believers is clearly unbiblical and not what Jesus taught, James works for peace within the church. He says in Acts 15 verses 19 to 21, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Don't make it difficult for them by demanding circumcision, but we will ask them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. These things were all legal and acceptable in many Gentile societies. They weren't breaking any laws to do any of them, and the only one which is a direct sin in the New Testament and in the Ten Commandments was sexual immorality, and it still is. The other three were things the Jews followed from when God gave the law for the Israelite nation to Moses. They were things that greatly disgusted and disturbed Jewish Christians, people who had grown up being taught from birth not to touch food offered to idols or to eat meat with blood in it. But not one of those things is a salvation issue, and James knew that. Yet he still asked the Gentiles to abstain from them, Why? Because peace between believers is more important than freedom. What I mean by that is that, while yes, we do have a great deal of freedom as believers, so long as we love the Lord our God with everything we are, respect those in authority, follow the laws of the land we live in, and love others, there aren't actually a ton of rules we're required to follow. And in fact, there is only one real rule for salvation, and that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to die for our sins and was raised on the third day by God, defeating death and giving us the free gift of salvation. We need to acknowledge who Jesus is and that he is the only way to God. And once we put our faith in him, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We really have so much freedom as Christians, but with great freedom comes great responsibility, to butcher an overused quote. See, we do have freedom to choose what movies we watch, what music we listen to, what food we eat, what we drink, what we wear. We have freedom to choose so long as we're loving God with everything we are, and we're loving our neighbors as ourselves. Sometimes what we watch doesn't honor God. Sometimes what we drink tempts others to do likewise and leads them to sin. Sometimes what we wear causes others to struggle with sin. And it's so easy to say, well, other people just need to have better self-control. They shouldn't let themselves be affected by what I do. But there's so much wrong with that attitude. Jesus didn't say, Love your neighbor as yourself, so long as you don't have to sacrifice anything. Only love them when it's convenient to you. No. He said to the disciples in John 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And what did Jesus do? Did he love us until it required sacrifice and then was like, whoa, no way, I ain't giving up my comfort for them. No. If that was the case, he'd never even have come to earth. But not only did he come to earth, he died. He gave up everything for us. And I'm not saying we have to stop doing everything that might possibly cause someone to stumble, I'm not saying that we can only watch Christian movies and listen to Christian music, that we can only eat crackers and drink water, and that we have to walk around in fashionless clothes, sacks preferably. No, that's not what I mean. What I'm getting at is what's in our heart when we choose what we watch, what we drink, what we wear, etc. Is it a conscious desire to honor God? Or is it just something we want to do because we enjoy it? Is it a conscious desire to love those around us and to build them up? Or do we not care about those around us, so long as we get what we want? And that's what James addressed in Acts 15. He addressed the freedom that the Gentiles had and proposed a way that they could better love the Jewish believers who worshipped with them. See, the Jewish believers grew up in a culture with very strict rules and traditions. To them, the things that the Gentile believers did were abhorrent. Some Gentile practices strained relationships with Jewish believers because it was disgusting to them. Some things they did made the Jewish believers uncomfortable and at times that had been unwilling to spend their time with brothers and sisters in Christ because they were sickened. Today, you might put it like this, if you have a friend who you know disagrees with drinking and you wanted to show them love and respect, would you purposefully drink around them? If you knew it made them uncomfortable, would it be loving to make them be around you while you drank? To put them in a position where they either feel uncomfortable being around alcohol or they feel rude for excusing themselves? that wouldn't be showing love to that person. Likewise, if you worked in, say, a slaughterhouse or as a butcher and you have friends who are vegetarian or vegan, if you respected them and loved them, you wouldn't talk about your work around them because you know that would make many of them uncomfortable and you certainly wouldn't invite them to an open day at your job. My point is that, yes, we have freedom in Christ to drink though not get drunk. We have freedom in Christ to eat meat. We have freedom to wear what we want. But we also have a higher calling. We are called to love other believers as Christ loves us. Sometimes in order to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as Jesus loves us, means that we have to give up some of our freedoms. It means being sensitive to their values, to their beliefs, to their struggles. Having freedom in Christ doesn't mean we can flaunt our freedom or just expect others to deal with it. They should be stronger. Rather, we should be asking ourselves, How far can I go to love God? How far can I go to love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Asking those questions changes everything. However, this issue does have two sides. Because if we're on the other side and believe that something that's not in the Ten Commandments is a sin, we shouldn't be going out and seeking Christians who drink and shaming them. We shouldn't be going out and seeking people who wear clothes that we don't think are appropriate and shaming them. And even if it is crystal clear in the Bible, shaming is not the answer. If it is against God's commands, we should lovingly rebuke bring it up carefully with much prayer beforehand, and open a discussion about it based upon God's word. Like all things, it's a balance. One that we need to be mindful of, regardless of what side we fall on on a given issue. And most of us will actually be on both sides across various different issues. For some, will embrace, some issues will embrace freedom, for other issues, we'll be strict about. Perhaps we believe the Bible advises against those things, or perhaps our culture and upbringing has taught us that those things are wrong, rude, or inappropriate. Or perhaps a struggle with sin means that certain things are more of a temptation, so they're things that we personally avoid. For example, when I watch movies, I'm very strict about certain content because I struggled so long in my past with pornography. By the grace of God, I haven't slipped back into the grip of pornography in years, but I also do not want to flirt with temptation. For me, it's just not worth the risk so I can enjoy a two-hour movie. However, I personally have no issue with watching a graphic war movie with people blowing up. Brittany, my wife, though, is very different. She doesn't face the temptation to sin if she sees someone without a shirt on. But watching graphic violence leaves her sick and disturbed, and monster movies will give her nightmares. So even though we are completely opposite there, we won't ask each other to watch a movie that would disturb them or might lead to temptation. Both sides need to be sensitive to the beliefs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Freedom doesn't mean make others do the same as us or even agree with us on what we're free to do. Rather, to truly love others as Christ loves us means we actively defend those who don't have the same freedoms as us. When watching movies with friends and some want to watch a movie that has content I'm uncomfortable with, It really makes me feel loved and respected when someone else steps and says, you know what, let's not watch that. There's a sex scene in that film. I'm happy to say that myself, and I do, but it's really, really nice to have someone willing to defend you, especially when you've already said no and others are just saying, oh, come on, don't be a party pooper. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's not that bad. Just close your eyes through that scene. That's not the point. And how many times have you said no to something in your life only to have a group of people try convince you otherwise? Peer pressure. And if you've been there, you know how much it sucks to feel like you're the only person who can't or won't and to be for the situation to be you against everyone else. Just imagine how great it'd feel to have someone back you up on your convictions Especially if you knew they were actually okay with those things, but they just wanted to make you feel comfortable and make sure you knew that someone would defend you and stand up for you. So how far will you go to love others? Acts 15 is a demonstration of one group of believers trying to force their restrictions on everyone else. It's a demonstration of their attempt to add to the gospel, to say that you need to do more to be saved than what Jesus said that you need to do. Yet despite their sin, despite corrupting the gospel, James shows us what it means to love others as Christ loves us. James showed us how to put aside our freedom in order to love those around us. He told the Pharisaical Jews, No, circumcision and being under the law was not what Jesus said. And why would you even want to make someone else deal with something that we can't even do, being under the law? But he understood what Jesus meant by loving sacrificially, and he knew the discomfort that some Gentile freedoms were causing Jewish believers. So, the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem sent a message, apologizing for the hurt caused by those who went down to them and spread the heresy but instructing them that, hey, here are three things that aren't sins that you can do to really help and show love to the Jews amongst you. Don't eat meat from strangled animals. Stay away from blood. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols. My challenge this week is that we adopt James' desire to show love, even if it costs us. How far can we go to love our family in Christ? How far can we go to make people who believe differently to us but are still believers feel comfortable? Instead of thinking first of our own desires and what we want to do and what makes us happy, let's think about others. Let's be asking ourselves if our freedom is making others uncomfortable or worse leading them to temptation. How far can we go to love others? Our example is Christ. How far did Jesus go to love you? Thank you for joining me today on God's Word, Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.